This is Psalms to God, Season 2, Episode 26, Christian Fantasy, Magic versus Miracles. You can find the show notes for this episode at www.psalmstogod.com. There shall not be found among you anyone who makes his son or his daughter pass through the fire, or one who practices witchcraft, or a soothsayer, or one who interprets omens, or a sorcerer or one who conjures spells, or a medium, or a spiritist, or one who calls up the dead. For all who do these things are an abomination to the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord your God drives them out from before you. You shall be blameless before the Lord your God. Deuteronomy chapter 18 verses 9 through 13. New King James Version. Welcome back to the Psalms to God podcast. This is your host, Ree, and today we're talking about magic and miracles. Um, surprisingly, this is a topic that is very near and dear to my heart, um, and it's still within this realm of making sure that we are defining the words we're using. Earlier, we talked about the word church and things like that. I think it's interesting because we say the word magic, we say miracles. And we have this vague conception of what is meant. But when I actually stopped and thought about it, I got really confused. Um, So let's start at the beginning, uh, some motivation for this episode, and then work our way through the information. I used to be a hardcore uh, fantasy sci-fi-ish nerd. Um, Pretty much everything I watched was in the realm of of the fantasy world. Things like Lord of the Rings, things like Narnia, um, you know, everything I read was fantasy. Um, Most of my favorite series were or are fantasy novels. Um, But even amongst that, you know, there's, there's so many layers of fantasy, right? You have like dark fantasy, which... You know, I had my share of, you know, vampires and werewolves and all of that. Um, And that was just really, I guess, where I gravitated in my youth growing up. And then as I started building my relationship with God, I started to ask myself, you know, if a lot of these things are considered an abomination, things like wizardry, sorcery, um, witchcraft, all of these things, they're part of the occult and it's considered evil why do I find these things entertaining and so I started kind of pulling out of that genre as a whole because it is so hard to find fantasy that doesn't involve magic it's you know like you can have fantasy creatures I mean but more than more often than not it's tied into magic and if it's just 
creatures, it's usually like mythology and it's borrowing heavy off of like Greek mythology or something like that. You have like centaurs because it's very hard for people to come up with new ideas. But a lot of times when you get into fantasy, it is like a mixing and mingle of spiritualism and religion and new age. And you're just like, oh, this is not this is not okay. But then there are books that people call Christian fantasy. And they're supposed to be Christian versions of the fantasy realm. Um, and a lot of people classify Tolkien's The Lord of the Rings as Christian fantasy. Most people can, um, would also put Narnia in that category. I have my own issues with both um, in terms of all things, both from racial standpoints as well as from um, how they portray things because ultimately like Tolkien was a Catholic and the Catholicism we already talked about Catholicism so y'all already know um, the beliefs are different and the things that they think are okay I don't necessarily think the Bible says are okay so there are a lot of things in the Lord of the Rings that while Tolkien may have been trying to use them as allegories or something like that they still when you actually measure it towards scripture it's not quite right we'll put it like that um, and so I was kind of disheartened because I like to write. I have, you know, been in progress of several novels that have kind of started to fade or die because I couldn't figure out how to do them in a way that was in both interesting and true to God's word um, and things like that. And so I really have had, I guess, this wrestling um, with, I guess, letting go of, of that fantasy realm um, but also asking myself, like, why are we so enchanted by fantasy? Why do we like these stories so much? Why is it so hard to come up with something um, that is pleasing to God? What what exactly is all of this? Um, but then as I was trying to let go of these things, I also started to look at the Bible itself. And what we call miracles. So generally speaking, when I think of a miracle, I think of something that is possible but improbable. So if I won the lottery, that would be a miracle because the odds are not in my favor. Um, it's possible if I buy a ticket. It's very possible. It's not like, oh, it's magic um, because I bought the ticket. But it's unlikely. The same thing like if you know, if you do something that's a long shot, you know, it, it's a miracle. And then with magic, generally speaking, I would think it's something that is unexplained or it's something that's impossible, right? It's something you cannot do. Of course, if you're, I mean, that's if what you're considering quote unquote real magic. You also have magic like magicians, which is like illusions and, and tricks of light and things like that. And then you start getting into trickery, which when you think about it from a spiritual perspective, okay, well, thou shalt not bear false witness. You could get why trickery and deception would be something that would be against God. So, you know, going into, you know, the study with that mindset, um, you, I started to have issues when I started to look at the miracles that Christ performed. Now, I've heard people try to explain away miracles. For instance, um, once I listened to a pastor who was talking about when Christ fed 
the 5,000 with five loaves and two fish. And they were like, okay, but maybe when people saw that Christ was willing to give his food, they started bringing in food too. And so in their mind, it wasn't like a literal, like Christ just kept breaking off pieces of bread and the bread just never ran out. But that in seeing that Christ was giving food to people, other people donated their food too. And then it just made itself around like everybody was sharing together. Now, the Bible doesn't say that. It doesn't say that isn't what happened. And it doesn't say that is what happened. It just says that he fed 5,000 people or actually 5,000 plus people with five loaves of bread and two fish. Now, if you think about it based on what's just there and you don't try to rationalize it or try to add to it, that sounds more like magic than something that is improbable, right? Like, I mean, you'd have to be pinching off like millimeter sized pieces of bread and giving people like a crumb for them to eat. And I mean, I don't know what the standards were back then, but most Americans today will eat a whole fish by themselves. I don't know what size fish this was that they had, but most people will eat a whole fish by themselves. So you only had two fish, five loaves of bread. I know people who will eat a whole loaf of bread by themselves. So, um, you know, the, the, the idea that this stretched that far seems very much like magic. And okay, like I said, you have the people who will try to explain it away. But then you get into other things like raising the dead, right? Everyone knows that Christ raised the dead. And I've actually seen some interesting comments from people where people think that only Christ raised the dead. But that's not true. Elijah, Elisha, Peter, Paul, they all also brought people back to life from the dead. Um, granted it was done through the power of God, but these people were regular men, just like we're regular human beings. And they somehow brought somebody back from the dead. That sounds like magic. That does not sound like just a miracle by the definition I mentioned earlier. And then you have things like Christ calming the storm walking on water. Peter was almost able to walk on water. He just lost his faith. And when I started looking at all of these scenarios in the Bible where these miracles were starting to look like magic, I decided to write them down and to go deeper. So I'm going to give you a list before we go deeper in just so you can see what I'm talking about. So we already talked about the concept of raising people from the dead. For reference, um, these stories, some of these stories go in 1 Kings chapter 17, verses 17 through 24, 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 18 through 37, Luke chapter 7, verse 11 through, 15, through 17, Acts chapter 9, verses 36 through 42, and Acts 20 verses 7 through 11. Jesus and Peter walking on water can be found in Matthew 14, starting in verse 22. Um, Samson had super strength. He was able to do things that seem a little inhuman. He was able to kill all these people by himself, which seems inhumanly possible, unless he was like the literal Superman. 
So his story is found in Judges chapters 13 through 16. Again, um, Mary with the virgin birth. Um, granted today, yes, you could get artificial insemination and that would not be a miracle. I mean, that would not be like a, like magic or a miracle or anything. It would be completely explanatory. But they did not have that back then and that's not what happened. So Matthew chapter 1 verses 18 to 25 um, healing in general. So in the Bible, we don't see that Christ has any sort of medical training. It doesn't say he gave them herbs or that he gave them some sort of medicine and that's how they were healed. You have like the woman who touched the hem of his garment and she was just miraculously healed. Um, you have where it says that he healed blind people and all kinds of things like that. Some of the examples of healing come from Luke chapter 9 verse 1 and Mark chapter 16 verse 18. Um, then Christ also tells the disciples that they have the right to cast out demons and he himself casts out demons. Like, I mean, the whole concept of possession seems a little bit more on like the magic side. And then the ability to be like, get out of this person, like you're just speaking, get out of this person. Um, that also seems more like magic than miracle um and so examples of casting out demons mark chapter 5 verse 1 through 20 luke chapter 9 verse 1 mark chapter 16 verse 17 matthew 17 verses 19 through 21 don't worry guys about the verses i will always put them in the show notes because i know it's a lot but i wanted to just put them out there so you know that i'm not just making things up um and then of course um, when you look back at Moses during the time of the Exodus, Moses turned his uh, turned water to blood. That was in all of this is from Exodus chapter seven, um, and he also turned his rod into a snake. And interestingly enough, the magicians of Egypt copied this trick, um, and they were also able to do it. But God told Moses to do these things, um, and then. I already mentioned Christ feeding the multitude that was in Matthew chapter 14. And then there's another instance where um, a woman goes to, I think she goes to Elijah. Um, I, I always get Elijah and Elisha mixed up, but um, she was in debt and she was going to have to sell her children into slavery. So she went to him and he told her to take, to borrow like vessels from her neighbors and then to pour the little bit of oil that she had into it. And somehow she just like had like this overabundance of oil and she like ran out of vessels to put the oil in and she was able to sell it. And that also seems kind of like magic. Like where did this oil come from? Um, and then if that wasn't enough, if you go into Genesis chapter 44 verses four and five, um, we see that Joseph has some sort of silver cup or chalice or whatever and it says that he uses it for divination, which is one of the things that God says is an abomination. And so I had a lot of questions because I, I became very confused as to what was considered magic and what was considered miracles of God. What is acceptable? What is not acceptable? Um, and it became very interesting because when you usually go into this topic, you usually hear Christians talk about the fact that there is no such thing as a good witch or a bad witch. There's not white magic and black magic. You know, obviously those titles come from deeply rooted systemic racism, 
but um <laughs> but in general like the concept of good magic and bad magic exists heavily in the fantasy world and as christians we've been saying that's not true the bible just says the bible doesn't say anything about good magic and bad magic it says all magic is bad but lately i've been questioning that concept so i went through it and i tried to look at the common threads between the things that god was saying were not okay and the miracles that christ was doing or that you know god allowed his servants to perform and then i started looking at the bible as a whole so in the show notes i'm going to list some of the words Um, the original Hebrew, the original Greek that are used um, when talking about, you know, magic and sorcery and all of these things. So you can see the original definitions. Um, But one of the things I noticed when I started looking at these words and looking at the origins of these words is that there was a heavy leaning in the things where it says this is an abomination, don't do this, don't be involved with this. Um, with necromancy, which is talking to the dead, um, this would be things like spirit mediums and, um, like I said, just like, you know, the Ouija board, things like that, trying to communicate with the dead. And then, of course, potions, spells, talismans, all of these objects that people are imbuing with power. And interestingly, that makes, I mean, of course, that makes sense because when you are thinking that something is a potion or a spell or you give an object like a voodoo doll or something you give this object power you are essentially creating an idol which goes back to not having idols or having other gods before him because you're putting your trust in this object um rather than in god and of course with necromancy this 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 um thought that you have the power to cross the line between life and death to to go through that veil Christ is the only one who earned that right because he was sinless and he took on the sins of the world um, and, and died. And so that gave him power over life and death. So he's the only one that can move back and forth like that. Um, and so um, that was very interesting to me. Also, um, you know, I had this kind of tangential thought. I don't know that this is um, biblically spoken, but in the fantasy realm, when you read novels, a lot of times magic comes with a price. Like people casting spells makes them weak. Or for instance, um, there's a movie called The Covenant. Uh, It's a very old movie. I want to think it came out in like 2006, 2005. It's pretty old. But in that movie... Um, these people have these powers or whatever and using the powers ages them or it takes their life, like it's tied to their life. So the more they use the power, the um, more they die, essentially. Um, and in uh, the never ending story, there's like this this talisman that grants wishes. And as the main character wishes, he loses memories and things like that. But contrastingly when you look at the miracles that are done through god there is no consequence it's not like you know peter healed the blind person and then 
he became blind or he lost his memory or he became tired or something like that. Like they're like, because it's not through you. And that is one of the biggest things that I found to be the difference between what we call magic and the things that were attributed to God and God's people. Um, Nothing that is a miracle is done by the person themselves. Peter didn't walk on water because Peter has the ability to walk on water. Peter was walking on water because Jesus told him he could walk on water. And as soon as he doubted Christ, as soon as that connection between him and God became faulty, Peter lost his ability to do anything, right? The same thing. The reason Moses could turn, you know, water into blood is because God told Moses, turn the water into blood. That power came directly from God. And of course, with Jesus, Jesus being God, the same thing is true. God, the father, God, Jesus, the son, he had the power to do this through God and he taught the disciples to do it through their connection to God. So yes, as a man, they were able to heal somebody or they were able to speak in a language that they had never spoken before, or they were able to bring somebody back from the dead, but it was not of their own doing. And the other thing is that it's not something that you can just wake up into. It's not something you're born with. So for instance, if you watch like superhero movies, a lot of times they're just born with these powers or they get bitten by some radioactive bug or hit with radiation and suddenly they have magic powers. It's not like that. Um, In There's a example where Christ is, you know, or the disciples are trying to cast out a demon and they can't. And they, at, and they say something to, to Christ. Christ comes and casts it out. And they're like, why couldn't we do it? And, you know, he's like, you have unbelief. Um, and then he's like, but with this particular type of demon, they only come out by prayer and fasting. Again, it's about cultivating the relationship with Christ. But it's also about self-sacrifice. Um, and it's about, um, you know, discipline right? Self-control, discipline, all of these things that are fruits of the spirit. And it's, it's interesting um, because, you know, in a sense, this is sort of like good magic, um, except that in our society, when you see movies that have good magic, it still comes from the person, right? And I think what I learned as I started digging through all of these texts where these um, supernatural, let's call them supernatural events were taking place is that there was this common thread of things being from God or things being not from God. Things just being from either from self or from false gods or from fallen angels, you know, demonic things, um, And it took me back to the garden because in the garden, from the very beginning, the rule that was established was not to eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So there was set up this idea that there was some type of knowledge that was outside of what God wanted for us. And Satan was like, nah, 
if you take of this, you will be like God. And if you look at the way magic is portrayed traditionally, um, that is what happens, right? You have this knowledge that did not come from God, came from Satan, because Satan is the one who told you to eat from this tree of knowledge of good and evil. And using it makes these people like gods. That's one of the fears, the heavy fears played upon in things like the X-Men series, right? The people, the human beings are afraid of the mutants because they have these abilities that the humans don't. And they fear that the mutants will take over or they will, um, they will, you know, rise to power and overpower them essentially like gods, right? They're, I mean, like, like Wolverine is basically immortal, like a god, right? Like you have these types of, of situations, and these things are attributed to nothing. It's just inherently in them. It's not attributed to their connection with God or their beliefs or their their goodness or anything like that. It's just I am the way I am, right? And a lot of times, this is how we get anti heroes like Wolverine. Um, where they have like this ambiguous morality and all of these things. Whereas that's exactly what Satan wanted. But contrastingly, um, you have God ordaining people to do things on his behalf. So you have people, Joseph, Daniel, John, they had visions right? I don't necessarily think this is so much different than a quote-unquote premonition that they were minding their own business and God gave them visions. God gave them the ability to interpret a dream and tell people what's going to happen. He gave them prophecy, which in a sense is a form of divination. It's just that God is the link, right? And when you see, for instance, in Daniel, before Daniel is able to interpret um, the king's dream, there is prayer and fasting, right? It is, it is through their discipline and their belief and their faith in God. And when they do it, they don't say, I, he doesn't say, I, Daniel, know the answer to your dream. He says, no one knows, but there is a God in heaven who has told me what the dream is about. And he's acknowledging it has nothing to do with him. The same thing um, when you see healing, right? Interestingly, when you get into this concept of healing, one of the words used in the Greek that's translated to sorcery is pharmakia or pharmakias, which is what we use in the modern pharmacy or pharmacist. Um, and the definition listed is like exactly what you would think it would be. It is basically a drug or a, a concoction or whatever, which goes back to the concept of spells and potions. And you're relying on this to, to treat you as opposed to the natural medicinal properties of the plants that God has put here to do the same thing. And to be honest, a lot of drugs that we get, um, at least the ones that won't kill you, many of them are just herbs that you could have gotten out of your garden. Occasionally, they put other things in there, and sometimes that's not good. But essentially, it's this idea of relying on these other potions. Um, I was telling one of my friends not too long ago, I, have a, I, I know someone who is of Jewish faith. And, um, of course, they've spent their entire life abstaining from unclean meats such as pork. 
and they went to a doctor and the doctor told them that for their health they needed to consume pork and instead of being like no i want another doctor and a second opinion because i trust in my god who told me not to eat this and therefore i am not going to eat this there must be something else i can do to get this in my diet or to get you know to to, to do whatever which guys to be honest, I have never heard pork having any benefits whatsoever in the diet. They, it causes high cholesterol. So I'm really not sure what kind of doctor this was. But I digress. In the end, they ended up going out and buying bacon and starting to eat bacon because the doctor told them. So they put their trust in this earthly doctor instead of in God. And to me, that is like, even though we don't consider that magic based on the fact that the you know the bible is usually literally using the word pharmakia as a definition i think that's a little um it's a little questionable um and when you see the 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 healing that happens from the disciples it's not like oh we went and created a potion or anything like that like i said the lady just touched the hem of, of Christ's garment. It's always tied to belief and your your ties to God. Now, I'm not telling you don't take an aspirin, don't take the medications that your doctor prescribes you or whatever. I'm not necessarily saying that. I'm saying make sure your relationship is right with God first. Because I do think that God provides in various different ways. And I don't know how he's going to pull off a miracle for you or for me, or for Tom, or Joe, or, or Bob, or Sally, I, I don't know. But the one thing that I noticed as the common thread is when it was a miracle from God, it was directly tethered to faith in God, trust in God, submission to God, fasting, prayer, these types of things. And it was done through the power of God and all credit was given to God. When it was considered magic, sorcery, divination, witchcraft, and an abomination to God, it was done outside of God. That is the key takeaway. And so as I continue to try to figure out how I'm going to write my epic Christian fantasy novel that does not uh, cross that line, um, that is basically what I found. I don't know if there are any other um, fantasy nerds out there that listen to my podcast. I don't know if other people struggle with this because it shows up a lot in our media. Um, and so I just wanted to share what I had found and, and kind of the conclusions that I've been coming to. Like I said, this has been kind of a back and forth with me. I, I don't know. Um, you know, I'm still praying on it um, to see what God reveals, but this is where I am at this point in my studies about this topic. If you have more information or questions or additional comments or anything like that, as always, feel free to comment. To uh, You can go to the blog, you can comment, I think, on the podcast post. I'm not really sure. Um, you can always find me on social media, on Facebook or on Instagram. Don't forget to like and subscribe if you have not share with your friends if you have not all those wonderful things that you know podcasters and bloggers ask you to do so i hope you have a great week and i hope this has been beneficial to you 
See you next time. Bye.